coming to you from that galaxy far, far away. This is the Star Warriors podcast. And tonight, this is Chris. And this is Rocco. And Rocco, it's time once again to talk about the Marvel comics that have come out in the past month. Uh, So we'll be talking June's books. Yes, um, June really kicked... uh, War of the Bounty Hunters in the in the rear end and, and into gear. So really, uh, I think this was a great month for Star Wars comics. Yeah, I agree. This this crossover really, it just get, you know hit the ground running with uh, this first month of the previous month that we talked about were kind of the, the prequel uh, stories, the lead in, if I may, uh, to these books. But we're underway. And uh, let's um, let's first let's talk a little bit some news, some news from the Net. Visions. Now, I know you have strong opinions on this this show, uh, and you're welcome to them. So why don't you well, why don't you share your your thoughts on your your feelings about anime and how it how it makes you feel about Star Wars? <laughs> I just like I don't know. Like I I don't I've tried with anime and I can't stand the artwork, and I cannot stand I really can't stand all of it. And I really try, like I've sat and have been like, all right, I'm going to watch this. And it's just like 10 minutes in. I'm just like, why? This is awful. And then I see Star Wars doing this. And the thing that bothers me about it, that first look that they gave us, mm-hmm. was how much awesome passion all of the artists and writers in that whole thing. Because like I, I want to be excited with them. <laughs> I, I love their passion and, and the passion that they were discussing. Um, but it was just, I don't know. I'm just not excited. I don't want to, sh- I don't want to poo poo all over it. I really don't. It's fine. Leave it, leave it to me. I, my love of anime will weigh this side of the scale. Uh, so no worries. I'll tell you about how awesome, awesome it is for me and how much you're missing out on. Does that sound okay? Fair enough. Okay, cool. Fair enough. Um, you're, did you play, uh, you played Knights of the Republic. Did you ever play the MMO, the, the Old Republic? No, I never have, but I had some friends that did. And uh, I've, I've heard mixed things. Some people that are like, it's just not worth it. Um, and some people that are like, dude, it was the best thing I ever did. So it was too much of a contrast for me to put a whole lot of time into. But have you played it? I did. I'm not a big MMO person. Uh, I'm, I dibble and dab here and there with them. But, you know, it's just it, they just never really hook me. Uh, I'm more of a single player RPG guy. Uh, I'm not I've never really gotten to like the raids and repeating missions over and over again to get whatever you're going after. But it is celebrating its 10th anniversary. Uh, and this new expansion will make it easier for new players to jump on board that's the that's the selling point to it um but 10 years i mean that's 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 pretty crazy i know everybody out there loves their mmos that's fine um i'm just waiting for that you know assassin's creed-esque rpg in the star wars world yes um the assassin's creed-esque or um like skyrim type Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. that's what i'm looking for as well I think you and I are very much on the same page when it comes to uh, to what we're looking for in a Star Wars game. That's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and let's look forward to many more now that EA doesn't have you know total control of that uh, that license. <clears throat> uh, next up, the Acolyte, uh, which is coming to Disney Plus. 
will take place at the end of the High Republic era. Uh, and writer Leslie Headland says that the show has been very heavily influenced by the Phantom Menace of how we kind of get to that point, uh, bridging these this new timeline with with the prequel timeline. Uh, how on a scale of one to ten, how excited you are 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 you for the Yakulite? Honestly, like I, I'm kind of I'm like at a ten. Um, that's how excited I am um, for this one. I really think that we're gonna get a lot of like younger Palpatine. I really think that um, I would love to see something that bridges the gap and gives us what happened before the Phantom Menace. And that's where I'm really, really excited. Um, you know, I'm hoping we see a little Plagueis. I'm hoping we see Great. some more behind the scenes of Palpatine. I'm, I honestly, like when I first heard of the show and kind of read a little bit about it, I was like feeling like this, there was kind of like this eyes wide shut, <laughs> like group in the, in the Republic, but they're Sith. And it's like, you know, Palpatine and then the, this acolyte, unless he is the acolyte, we don't really know for certain. Um, but like, there's this underground Sith, like industrial music club, you know, where it's like Marilyn Manson is playing and a bunch of Sith are like dancing and they're taking their clothes off eyes wide shut style that like, you know, no one knows about. And we're kind of getting that what was in the background and, you know, Paul Patine rising to power, which we all know that story already. No, I completely agree that that Sith nightclub um, definitely needs what's his name, Daniel Brule. Uh, from, from the Falcon <laughs> Winter Soldier doing his best Peter Parker dance ever. Um, it, no, I, exactly. That's yeah. That's exactly what I, I I imagine for this series. I know that people are like, well, it makes the galaxy smaller by adding these characters in, but really, it's what ties the galaxy together. You know, it's it's these links between the different timelines and people and whatnot that make it interesting. I know we want new worlds and new stories and stuff, but if they're gonna if they're going to make these these timelines run into each other, I I totally agree that we need some kind of some kind of link between the two. So I yeah. as well hope for this uh, Plagius and uh, Palpatine, you know, mentor and apprentice relationship. So yeah, definitely excited. Uh, then last up, the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, well, he's be driving around in his starship, quote unquote. Uh, oh my god. They've announced who will be directing the episodes, uh, a few of them at least. And so get excited because it's confirmed that John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and Bryce Dallas Howard are all going to be taking on uh, episodes. So, you know, I'm just, this is like, this is a really tr great treat for us. Uh, if you're a Boba Fett fan, OT fan, whatever you are, Star Wars fan, uh, getting this kind of in between the next season, uh, the previous and the next season of the Mandalorian is great. I, it gives us a whole, totally different narrative in a way where they can really kind of plan out what, how they want to take the next season of the show, because mm -hmm. they did kind of leave us in this point where, you know, a lot of time could pass or, or whatever, but they really got to kind of get the next narrative going now that Grogu is not part of it. Yes. Well, um, I watched this really fun thing that I think our, our friend Mose sent us, Moses sent us, um, which was Ewan McGregor and uh, speaking with, um, uh, oh my God, uh, Pedro Pascal about their, uh, their 
their subsequent Star Wars uh, releases that are coming. And, uh, you know, he Pedro kind of gave up that, oh, yes, there will be a Mandalorian season three because there has been question marks around it with Book of Boba Fett and how it ended with Grogu going with Luke. Um, but he was like, no, we're, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said that jokingly, you know, maybe not jokingly, but he's like, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But, yeah, we're going to start filming. And I think that that's fantastic. But I think the biggest thing about Book of Boba Fett is, are you up to date on um, Bad Batch? I am. So, you know, spoiler spoiler alert, if you're turn listening. Off your so, turn, yeah, cut, cut yourself off if you don't um, want to hear what I'm about to say regarding Bad Batch. Um, but the big reveal is that Omega is uh, Boba Fett's sister, in essence. She's the only other unaltered clone like Boba Fett. Now, if you think about it, at the end of The Mandalorian Season 2, it shows Boba Fett and Fennec Shand in Jabba's palace have taken over. Now, there's a whole lot of interaction between Fennec Shand and Omega in in um, Bad Batch. So I really think that if Bad Batch is doing anything, it is setting maybe the book of Boba Fett for Fennec to be like, by the way, you have a sister... Or maybe Boba knew that, and we're going to have that explored more. I don't know, but it seems too coincidental for that to just be a throwaway. No, absolutely. And her name is Omega, right? Omega. 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 That's right. That's right. I I don't know. I can't do a good New Zealand accent. But anyway, that's kind of where my head went with it. Um, My head went right there was that, oh, man, because there's so much Fennec Shand and Omega um, clashing, and then, you know, you're just not going to mention that in Book of Boba Fett, like, with Boba Fett and Fennec being so close now. Yeah, and you could see that they're setting up this good side of of, of Fennec Shand along with the uh, Kamamoan. Yeah. Like, what's happening with that, right? So they're trying to get her away from the Empire. Uh, so does she survive this? Like, what happens after that? Then she shows up in Book of Boba Fett, perhaps. It's really the best of both both worlds, in a way, in my opinion. Uh, it's a way to keep the clone legacy alive um, in a very pure form, uh, along with, you know, setting this up as another Fett dynasty, in a way. So that's it is a very interesting revelation. Absolutely. And the last thing I'm going to say, because we're here to talk about comic books, is that... Um, they already showed proof of concept with Ahsoka going from cartoon to live action with with tremendous results, both critically acclaimed and the fans loving it. So they've proven that they can do it. And I think they're going to do it again with Omega. I really think we're going to get Omega live action. And I think it's going to be in Book of Boba Fett. And that's that's it. I'm done. That's all I got to say, Chris. I know we got to get to comics. I absolutely agree. So that's the end of the news. Let's let's do what Rock has said. Let's talk about some comics. Uh, we are talking about June's June 2021's books. It was a big haul this month with uh, War of the Bunny Hunters plus uh, <laughs> plus High Republic. You know these mm. in the next few months we're going to have these extra one shots thrown in. So we'll be talking. A lot of books coming up, guys. An exciting summer of comics, but let's get right into it. Uh, let's talk about High Republic 6. Let's get this outlier comic out of the way. 
Uh, not that it was a disciplining issue. It was no. definitely uh, it was wrapping up the action that we've seen in the last last few issues. Uh, let me just say this. It's called Heart of the Drangir. Uh It's a new chapter. Chapter one, The Galaxy Unites, uh, written by Kevin Scott. Artist uh, George's Genty and inks by Carl Story with colors by Annalisa Leone. So, yeah, so we've left our, our heroes. They were on a planet. Uh, they've teamed up with the Huts to battle the Drangir because all of a sudden the Drangir are taking over. They're awakening. Uh, they're, they're everywhere. Uh, so we've seen some pretty cool stuff. Uh, this, this is a very fast-paced issue, I thought. Yes, uh, very much so. Um, a lot of action, um, a lot of, you know, the, the image, the cool imagery of the, the rancors being ridden, yes. you know, I'm just finding myself needing to like, right now, I wish high Republic already had like three or four titles within itself <clears throat> because I want more of it to love these characters more. I'm still working on building my relationship with these characters and being a star Wars fan. That's something that we do. And that's really the only issue I'm personally having with High Republic is I want to care more about these characters. You know what I mean? But the the imagery is is beautiful. Um, the the story was fun, and like you said, it was very fast paced. Yeah, I think that they would do themselves a fa- like a, a very good service by uh, putting out graphic novels of the books, at least the main adult novel books. Uh, just get, you know, if people aren't going to read them, give them an option to really learn what happens, you know, and see it. I think that they would, uh, at least Light of the Jedi that I've read, read and uh, read, wrote, uh, what is it? Red? Red is the word. Uh, and the new one, the uh, the Rising Storm, which just came out also by Kevin Scott, who wrote this comic. Uh, so, yeah, I think that eventually we will see those. And I think that it'll be it'll it'll really be beneficial for you to read those. I, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I would feel, you know, the less, like I'm not reading a whole lot of high Republic now. And as we kind of venture forth into this, um, and these, and these titles up through, like, I think Scott said issue 10 or so mm-hmm. are safe within the next wave. They're not going beyond that. Um, you're safe to read these without too many spoilers, even for the current wave of books. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, for me, somebody who, who gets into other things really quickly and is reading other things and doesn't always have time to sit down and read the newest star Wars novel. This is probably the best way to keep up on the high Republic, but it is really Mm -hmm. telling its own very like isolated story in a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, I mean, it, I think personally it's gotten better and better with every issue. High Republic has gotten better. Um, but I'm just waiting to connect with these characters even more. And, and I hope to, I want to, you know, so. Yeah. And Trennis, Trennis is a really good character, uh, who's now featured in the book. I like her. Yeah. This is her story. Uh, and there's some really big stuff coming for her. So I'm excited for that. Uh, let's, let's talk about the big event of this book. Uh, cause really, mm-hmm. uh, what happens is Skier is, uh, uh, he starts to become corrupted again. And so Trennis rips his arm off and then they've severed the communication system uh, through like their mind, their Jedi mind meld. I'm going to call it. I'm going to get in trouble with Star Trek fans. But um, (laughs) and they cut off the the communication network that all the Drenger have. Um, And then we discover the great progenitor, which seems to be Mm -hmm. like the the mama, the mama Drenger. 
Yes, uh, very. I got very much like a, a Queen vibe from the Alien movies. Um, you know, like the, that's kind of what I felt. And then, like, they're inside the Drengear now, like, their minds, and they're using that to find the, what is it, the progenitor? The pro, the, the great progenitor, I think it's called. That, okay. Um, so they're, they're, they're going to go after that thing, because if they kill that, it should destroy all of the Drengear. So, again, you know, cool. Um, I'm looking forward to the next issue. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they're headed to Melita. Apparently, that's where the great progenitor is. So, yeah, I, I guess because we these these creatures, I should say, are not in future stories, you know, because they didn't exist at that point. But I guess maybe they get wiped out here. Uh, maybe they get put back to sleep, and they can come back in another time period. But yeah, they they were neat. Uh, I, I kind of wish they would have taken more of like a horror aspect with the book um because that's where i kind of got lost it was kind of these uh these expectations of of what was going to happen with these creatures and they were scary in the comic i thought i thought they did a good job with that and yeah and whatnot so um and they say meat over and over again meat meat yeah. like to eat like that that's creepy it's creepy yeah in fact they could take over people's minds and and everything it's just uh the neat new character, and I'm glad that uh, that they came up with something new for the High Republic. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's let's jump right into War of the Bounty Hunters. Let's do Boom. it um, because this this month uh, was the launch of the new miniseries War of the Bounty Hunters, aptly named. Uh, this issue number one was called Most Wanted. Uh, it was written by Charles Soule, uh, inks by Luke Ross, and colors by Niraj Men. Manon. Uh, so this this is the big one. Um, after mm. all the lead up stories, all of our speculation, all that we've been waiting for for months, this is the big issue that launches our epic crossover that's going to last into the fall. So what did you what did you think about this? Because this was uh, definitely something that we had talked <clears> about. In a pre- something happens in this the end of this issue that we talked about, speculated on a lot. Uh, it's a good guess. Uh, but it well, actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> no, it, it, it does. Um, and two things. Number one, I love this. And this really highlighted Boba Fett being a fucking savage. Like, I'm sorry to... Maybe we can believe... Beep! Savage. No, it's okay. Um, We're no. mature now. That's oh, fair enough. Um, he was a savage in front of Jabba's palace. Like... I'm going to take all of you on and I'm going to kill a lot of you. And some, one of you might kill me, but you'd be dying for him pointing at Bibortuda <laughs> and everyone just backed down immediately. And, you know, just being like, I'm Boba Fett. Like, you know, I, I'm want to kill someone for what, for taking Han from me. Now I knew, now I know who to kill. And he points at our mystery character. Um, but what I want to give you your props, Chris, um, this was the second thing I wanted to say. You called it. You said this mysterious figure, I bet, is Kira from the solo film, um, played by... Um, Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark, that's right, from Game of Thrones. And you were right. You, you hit the nail on the head. Crimson Dawn is back, and she is obviously the head of the syndicate. 
Yeah, it's funny. We go into this issue and you, you're seeing all this activity. You see these hooded characters uh, and they're talking, but you see the logo on the ships right away. And for those people that do recognize that Crimson Dawn logo, you knew right away what was going to happen, I imagine. Um, but yes. I thought this you're was right. great. You know what? Um, I guess this it was, you know, a lot of times I, I see ahead because of solicitations and things like that. But I think Star Wars did a really good job. Disney and uh, Marvel did a really good job with this, that keeping this a secret. Uh, and because I got spoiled the day it came out, I got mm -hmm. spoiled the day before I read it. I didn't see it, but I, when they mentioned, like I read the title on like the title, of the article on accident and it basically spilled that out. So uh. it's fine uh, because really I was, I convinced myself that, this was probably the best thing they could ever have done. They yeah. took, they took solo a Star Wars story, which, in my honest opinion, is one of the, the better movies they've made. Uh, and people, it did make money. I don't know if that really equals a bad movie, but that's what happens when you change your schedule and stuff and put it out, yeah. put it out after the Last Jedi. Uh, and what Solo did was something great, I thought, and it established, you know, the crime of syndicates. It established. Uh, the fact that we had Crimson Dawn as one of these big players and it set up Kira to walk right into this role uh, because, you know, at the end of that, we see that Boba Fett, uh, Boba Fett, I'm sorry, Darth Maul recruits her basically after she kills Dryden and the rest is history up until now. So it's a great way to bring this character back into canon. Absolutely. Um, I I want to see more of her. I like the character. She is, I can tell she's complex. Um, her loyalties really lie with no one, but it's very clear that there is some type of soft space in her heart for Han. And there always will be. It doesn't mean she's not going to fuck him over, but I don't think she could kill him. I don't think she could end his life. No, she's an opportunist. We saw, we saw that clearly in Solo. Uh, yeah. and that, that was actually really good character building, uh, in a two hour movie for her. I thought that you do see that relationship they have. You see that she does care about Han, but you do also see that she will take any opportunity possible to, to move ahead, to move up in the, in the world of things, you know, higher on that food chain. Uh, Absolutely. So, um, favorite thing about this book, uh, like you said, when he goes down to Tatooine, and just basically like bullies his way through, shoots a couple of Gamorians, Bip comes out, and then more holding Forlom's head. He throws Forlom's head into the into the moat. And I thought that was the funniest thing I've seen in a while. Um, because it'll be a good story to see how they have to go and get Forlom's head before that one shot comes out. Uh so that's um one man. One man. No, I'm Bubba Fett. And we've talked about this before. We have to have Bubba Fett established as one of the biggest badasses in the galaxy. And one movie in the beginning of a, another movie where he actually gets thrown into a pit of of, of tentacles uh, really didn't do it. I mean, it looks cool, but this is uh, this is setting him up that time period as a true Merc uh, Bubba the Fett. Yes, and I think that it's coming at good timing because of something you said earlier in this show is that the Book of Boba Fett is starting to kind of delve into, like, the good side of it with Fennec, you know, 
she's kind of battling with good and bad. And I think Boba Fett's always been that way. And I think the Mandalorian helped kind of soften him. But I think what's great about that is to have the comic series show how previously how badass he is to kind of help us get to here and the things that had happened to him along the way that made him be more about honor and less about the credits. And I think that Jango was an honorable man, an honorable fighter. And even Hondo said that to young Boba Fett, you know, your father was a lot of things, but he always had his honor. And I think that Boba, I think Boba battled with that. I think that he, I think he didn't want, didn't want to be like his dad, but did want to be like his dad at the same time. And I think that this War of the Bounty Hunters is really showing us a side of him that we need to see before Book of Boba Fett comes out. That's just my opinion. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Because when you look at it, and you look at how he arrives in The Mandalorian, it is a much different Boba Fett. It's a different man who probably saw the, you know, saw the light of day, you know, with this whole, like, I'm going to die in the the stomach of the, the Sarlacc. And he's like, you know, maybe I made some mistakes in my life <laughs> you know, to end up where I am. And, you know, because that, we see a very, like, kick-ass Boba Fett um, when Tamara Morrison comes back and reprises uh, the role in The Mandalorian. He beats up all those stormtroopers. But all of a sudden you're seeing, like, no, I, I owe you this. Or... I promised you this. So uh, definitely, definitely a big swing for the character. But here we are. Let's let's see him in his prime. And we are getting that and more. So uh, last thing before we jump to commercial, uh, Lady Kira, as she's called now, uh, says Han Solo unites the galaxy. And it's it's such a cheesy thing and it's such a central thing to this comic series. But in essence, when you think about it, it's true, too. Um, very important character, uh, especially in this point of the Star Wars canon. Oh, so. absolutely. And it's just funny that it's it's not for anything good Han did. No. No. Like, well, he started. Everybody hates him. Yes. Right. I mean, minus the rebellion, everybody hates him. And Kira sees him as a means to an end, even though she, I don't think she would have the heart to to put a blaster bolt through him, I still think that she cares for him deeply and would definitely screw him over at any chance she could get, as long as it wasn't something more mortality. Like, as long as it wasn't mean his certain death, she will screw him over without any problem. Like you said, she's an opportunist. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of it's, I, I don't know what to think about this because we know that he doesn't get out of the Carbonite until Return of the Jedi, so he'll never see her. You know, if she dies in this this crossover maybe saving him or whatever you'll you won't know that um well we'll see right so yeah anyways i mentioned the commercial let's let's go and do that right now hey there star warriors make sure that when you're not listening to us you're checking out ridley's gaming realm on facebook that's ridley's gaming realm And what's awesome about them is that in their entire time for buying, selling, and trading games, there have been no scams ever reported on their page. So 
if you're looking for that game that's hard to find, if you're looking to sell off your collection, make sure you're checking out Ridley's Gaming Realm. That's a Facebook group right there on Facebook. You all know how to use it. Ridley's Gaming Realm. Defat Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. Defat Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with Defat Comics. Hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes, too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun, so come join me at the Campfire Chats, a DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. We are back with more Star Warriors, and we're talking June 2021's Marvel Comics. And we're right in the middle of War of the Bounty Hunters, right, Rocco? That is right. And it's it's getting it's getting steamy. It's getting it's getting hot. So let's talk about Star Wars 14 called Save Solo. Uh, mm-hmm. written by Charles Soule, art by Ramon Rosanas, and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. So this this was interesting to me uh, because we're really starting to establish where the rebellion is going to be chasing down, uh, chasing down Boba Fett, looking for Han Solo. But all of a sudden they, they hear that Crimson Dawn has Han Solo and they're like, who's Crimson Dawn. And so who reports that to them? Another little tie into our, our sequel trilogy, uh, Princess Leia's best friend. Holdo. Oh, Holdo. That's right. right. What a nice little tie in there. I thought, um, I know a lot of people have their issues with last Jedi. Holdo, you know, and things like that. But I liked that character. Uh, I liked the way she went out. And um, I thought this was a really great way to bring this in because they had introduced the character in a little book. Uh, it was like a young adult novel about Princess Leia, not, you know, a few years ago. And then it went from page to screen, which was a great thing to see. Uh, we were just talking about how it's awesome to see these cartoon characters become live action. And I think that's something that Disney can keep doing here uh, and that they kind of were shying away at first, but now it's they're realizing this is what people want. Yes. Like, like take your canon, put it in all these different medias, but the characters can mix and match and, and be wherever they want and just draw them or hire somebody to play them. So um, this is a great little tie in. Um, and so because Crimson Dawn is involved they decide that Lando uh, should should be involved because Chewie says, yeah, hey, remember the, I remember when this guy and Han and Kira <laughs> and all these guys went on this little adventure in Solo. So, um, yeah, so now all of a sudden they need Lando's help, uh, but they didn't want it before, but now they got it. So what do you what do you what do you think about this this whole issue? I mean, I, I really liked the like Lando Chewie kind of. Like you said, they've run into these people before. They know, like, and and Lando telling Leia how concerned he is, 
Um, I did also like kind of the, the candor in Luke and Leia talking about it. Like, Luke was telling Leia that she just hasn't been the same since Han, since what happened with, you know, with Han, that she's been like a little off. She says hopeless, doesn't she even? Yes, like, yes. Which is so unlike her. She is the, you know, like the oracle of hope. Basically, no. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, you know, they, the way they just kind of dive headfirst into the whole situation um, of course, they crashed the Falcon again, which, you know, is just something that seems to be something that, that they do that, you know, happens a lot. Ah, but this time, the Black Sun has arrived. That's yes. It. Yes. Um, I did I, I did really like how, like, they arrived, and they were like, we arrived in the ship of the person that everyone's trying to buy, like, at auction, and, yeah. like, you know... They, and I thought that, that was funny. Like they didn't, no one thought about that till they got there, and they're like, "Oh, we're in the Millennium Falcon." Like everyone knows that this is the ship of Han Solo. Like, so I thought that, that was funny. And of course, Lando's like side dealings. We got a little more. We got a little more of that. Right. What do you What do you think about this? I mean, it was. It's very strange. It was like this ulterior motive. Um, to drop this droid off in orbit, but then he realizes the droid actually helps Lobot uh, with his get his mind back, which is a strange thing. But it's what what do you think about this whole Lando thing? I just I don't know what I, I'm not really sure what to feel about it. Honestly, it's just kind of a weird little mini arc. I think that somehow it's going to be their ticket into Jabba's palace and what we see in Return of the Jedi. I think it's going to evolve into that. I think that that's that's where where I'm getting what I'm getting out of it. Mm. Also, it, and I'm I'm connecting some dots here. This is what we do as Star Wars fans. If we if we look at the end of Mandalorian season two, Boba Fett and Fennec go into Jabba's palace. Jabba's gone, my and gone and dead. Obviously, Bib Fortuna is there, all fat. And, and rich and such, sitting on Jabba's throne. To me, it's very obvious that Bib would like to take over for Jabba. And part of me is starting to rethink Return of the Jedi and think that maybe Bib Fortuna was in on their little infiltration. And maybe that's what this is setting up. That's a good thought. To maybe change the way we look at that opening scene in Return of the Jedi. And Star Wars can do that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, we know what happens in Shadows and the way they, they told that story. And I think it's I think it's a good way to do it this time and to do it differently. Because even after that, we're still like, yeah, they, they got these disguises and they went in. And it was all kind of just set up as as is, very easily inserted, right? right? Just, yeah. I think that they are really trying to build up Bib here uh, as an important character, more than just this lackey of of Jabba's but that like you said he may be in on this he wants to be a gangster yeah and I think that he I think that Bib sees a means to I think Bib sees a means to an end to get what he wants I think Land I don't think Lando cares one about the rebellion right now or even really Han right now I think that that is something that he's going to end up developing into as this series of comics moves on. 
And I think that he's going to be able to use the leverage he's had with Bib Fortuna so far to get him in to get them into that palace and what we see in Return of the Jedi. That that's what I'm getting, and I got a lot of that out of this book. I'm going to hold you to that uh, because that would make Lando a very important piece in this whole puzzle and this this infiltration that that happens at Jabba's palace. And mm-hmm. I want to I would love to see that happen. I've always been a bit Fortuna fan, and I want to see more from from this character. So. Um, anything else on this issue you want to talk about? Um, no, I, I thought it was a great issue. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was beautifully drawn actually too. I really liked, uh, the, the, the Falcon crashing. I liked, uh, the, the, uh, those yachts used by Crimson Dawn and like, you know, layup being like, Oh, that's where we got to go. Like Han is right in reach. I just thought that those pages, I, I really loved the way they looked. They really popped with the whites and really felt crispy. The snow felt crispy. Yeah, great issue. Uh, looking forward to seeing where that takes our heroes, especially with uh, the announcement of the the Boosh comic, Boosh number one yes. one shot, uh, coming at coming out in August. So or September. I'm sorry. One of those. One of those months. Boosh. That's it. We'll we'll see if they redo that whole backstory. It'll be interesting. Uh, let's jump right over to Bounty Hunters number 13. Uh, it's called Showdown at Smuggler's Moon, written by Ethan Sachs, art by Paolo Villanelli, and colors by Arif Prianto. Uh, and so our uh, our favorite buddy cop duo in the in the galaxy, Valance and Dengar, mm. have arrived in Narshada. Uh, and so they're there. They're looking for uh, information uh, where Boba Fett is. And so they track down this... I guess this character we'll call him, uh, and they start a fight with him. It's funny because three PO and Chewie show up, so this is getting even tighter between the titles. <laughs> this is again, I I loved this issue because of kind of just the buddy cop, um, mm-hmm. uh, the banter back and forth between Dengar and Valance, uh, and then when Valance runs into Chewie, and then we you know it's starting to all kind of come together where we were just we just learned how Valance accidentally almost shot them um and is now trying to prove his you know prove his worth on solo by saving him but chewbacca doesn't agree with that no no chewbacca is not a fan of valences that was very made very clear in this book um and you know valence trying to explain himself i wasn't you know i wasn't gonna kill you you know blah 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 um but i thought that, that was cool like like you said i really liked the way that connected all of a sudden chewie and 3po were there and hell kind of broke loose when Chewie saw Valance. Right, because when I when I think about this, I want to think about it as like a movie, you know, or like a miniseries or whatever. And it's tough for me to be like, yeah, all these all these pieces make sense in this story. But when they do that, that actually kind of just it was a good surprise. Uh and just like I said, it really tied things together well, especially after reading Star Wars four, you know, number fourteen. So um yeah this is this is great um we do run into tonga and lasha again uh yes. so we're watching them uh we know that tonga wants revenge on both that for killing her brother but that's you know there's not a whole lot of uh depth to that storyline besides that what we set up in the beginning of this 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 series is kind of coming full circle it's to me it's just it's like in afro with lucky and that other whatever person 
it's yeah. just like i don't need these people um i don't it's like you flash to it for a for like a like a hot second and then it's over um mm-hmm. it just it just it's kind of unneeded for me and i just i i get it because you are telling these these separate stories in the comics mm-hmm. but again it's a little bit it's a little bit character heavy for me absolutely um no i i i agree a lot of these additional characters like wait what what was going on with them again oh yeah that's right um but i do like uh i was talking to someone today i was talking to colin today actually um over lunch and we were discussing how um or at least i was saying how this war of the bounty hunters um kind of feels like the movie smoke and aces if you remember that with ryan reynolds it's like Boba Fett, you know, everyone wants to kill Boba Fett right now. And all of these different, you know, all the major players, uh, the major bounty hunters and assassins are are ready to come out and, and kill Boba Fett and retrieve Han. So I kind of get that feel from it. And this this issue definitely helped with that kind of smoke and aces feel. That's a that's a good parallel. I like that. So then Crimson Dawn attacks <laughs> and they're. They, uh, Vix uh, spills the beans, the valence about these exotic weapons. Uh, so do you have any thoughts on that? I, I don't because before we can learn anything else about it, uh, Vix gets killed. Yeah, I, um, not, I don't, I don't have any thoughts yet on that. Me neither. I just, there was kind of a weird throw in there. And, uh, yeah. so I, you know, it's, I know we're, we're setting up for other things, maybe, Maybe in this series, maybe I mean, War of Bounty Hunters, but maybe it's for after that. Um, this again, the buddy cop thing between Dengar and Valance. That's that's what what we are uh, shown here through Bounty Hunters, and um, it's it's funny because when we go and when we talk about Vader, I just feel like it's each of these bounty hunters from the Executor are just being thrown into these stories, and they're showing up mm-hmm. somehow, right? It was cool how we got Bosk in his own issue previous in Bounty Hunters, but. Um, We'll talk about another bounty hunter a little bit here, but it's yes, it's cool. Will. It's just heavy. Uh, everybody's coming together, and um, we're going to jump to commercial. Sounds good. Need more context on your favorite movie? Is Obama. Obama. As okay. Senator Obama. Ever wonder why they did or didn't do that thing or include that scene? This is prime. Like, this is is quality entertainment. Check out Gutsy Media Podcast as my friends and I take a deep dive into everything from blockbusters to indie films. The weakest apple cider bitch beers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. That's Gutsy Media Podcast for everything movies. Do you miss hanging out at bars with a friend? Cream, cream ale. Do you miss those two friends of yours that would always end up drinking too much, leading to discussions about political philosophy? If so, then we have a podcast for you. When they nuked the Capitol, you know, that was bad. I'm Aaron. And I'm Jake. Join us at the tavern for a pint, a few laughs, and some nonsensical discussions. I will say neither of us are constitutional lawyers. (laughs) A political podcast for the unencumbered political mind. Search for the Bull and Moose Tavern on your favorite podcast streaming service today. He managed to make Trump look good on something. It's like, bad. We are back, and we're talking Star Wars comics uh, from June, and we're going to jump right into Doctor Afra number eleven. Uh, this issue was called "The Wreckage." Uh, it was written by Alyssa Wong, pencils by Minky Yujun. 
Inks yeah. by Victor Elizaba and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. I can't write my I can't read my own writing sometimes. It's horrible. Um, so here we are. Uh, this is maybe again an issue I've enjoyed more so because it's tied into this big crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, but Afra and Son are looking for even Drake. Yes. They go to the ship and I got a very aliens vibe. They're on this abandoned ship where, like, everybody's dead. And, you know, they hear the crickety-crackly of some type of creatures up in the rafters or whatever. And they find, I believe it's Domina's cousin. And, yep, that's it. And uh, they find his invitation to this Crimson Dawn auction. But I know you were excited because they were reintroducing someone from Legends into canon. Yeah, so we got that. We got that right at the end of the last issue when Dirge shows up. Uh, so Dirge was, uh, he was introduced in the original Clone Wars cartoon series. Uh, so very short-lived. Uh, showed up in some comics as well in the Dark Horse days. But this is the first time we get to see him in canon, and he's a big dude. And you know what? I don't know how much I I liked the way they used him in this issue. I'm looking forward to maybe more. <laughs> But this was very much, like you said, an Aliens-type uh, adventure. Yes, and they really... So, is Dirge a humanoid, or is he a droid? He is, in the comic... And I'm sorry, in the show, uh, when Obi-Wan battles him, he Obi-Wan ends up cutting off his arm, and, and like it regrows into like a tentacle. Uh, so he's oh. an alienoid of some type. He's not a droid, oh. but... I don't know what they're going to do with him in canon, but he's he's a crazy like alien monster guy, um, which we don't see that much of the of in this. Uh, but no, it's a very interesting introduction to him because he's brought into Afra. Um, Afra's not not a good person, so they come um, up with this idea to get these monsters into the into the escape pod uh, and then blast it or open it up into space or whatever into the hatch uh and they they get trapped dirge in there and, and shoot him out the airlock as well uh so you know yeah. now she has a brand she has a brand new enemy uh which you know we'll i'm sure we'll see more of him in this i hope um because obviously like i said he's not human so he's not going to die out there uh and i wouldn't want to be on the <laughs> the receiving end of any revenge from him yeah, he's gigantic. Uh, just, just a very large character, very imposing. Um, and I, I liked him. And then I thought, just like, oh, bam, out the airlock. Okay, well, that's it. <laughs> like, all right that, then. Yeah, it's that's the thing is these issues are very fast paced as we've as we've mentioned, and so in each of these issues, somebody's showing up, uh, and. We'll see that in the next in Darth Vader as well. Uh, but I thought it was a great use of the character to bring him in, uh, especially with War of the Bounty Hunters happening. Hopefully, Durst comes in, kicks some ass, and we see more of him in future future Star Wars issues, not just Dr. Afro. Definitely. Uh, last up today, uh, we'll talk about Darth Vader number 13. Uh, it's called Sound of Metal, uh, written by Greg Peck, art by Raphael Ianco, and colors by Jason Keith. We've we've had a really epic lead up to this issue, and it was kind of in question of how how this will all tie into War of the Bounty Hunters. How does Han Solo, you know, 
what what does it mean for for Darth Vader to get involved in this Boba Fett Han Solo ordeal uh, and more? So what did what did you think? We just uh, we've we've got to this point where Vader is unstoppable. Uh, he's been rebuilt, uh, and so he has uh, a new outlook on the galaxy. Yeah, um, I I liked it. Um, I liked this a lot. It was. I mean, you have your pathetic, what's his name now, that's following Vader around, um, Ochi. Ochi, yep. You have Ochi, who's like this, you know, pathetic guy. He, it looked, they go to, a, a, what is it, a planet full of droids? What are they called? They they had like a name to them, these droids. And they were like, they said to Ochi, oh, you traitor. And he's like, no, I'm just on the winning side. I just chose the winning side. And then who shows up? But just like you said, I, another one of those bounty hunters on the bridge of the Executor, IG-88. And IG-88 is jawing with Vader at the same time that they're fighting yeah. about how he can't tell him who sent him. And he has a little controller that can control Vader's armor. Yeah, I thought that was kind of wild, right? So who, who has the ability to slice not only his shuttle, but his armor as well? That was... That was a big mystery of this issue. And we do get a we do get an answer to that. Yes. Yeah, so the Embaran and this what looks to be some kind of a cult. I didn't quite grasp who they were, unless that's just something we're gonna learn in the next issue. Yeah, the only the only person that I recognized was the administrator Moore, you know, who is is Epper's, you know, right hand person. The ball. Uh, Yes, exactly, and that's that's the only person I, I recognize from that group. But that here we have uh, more, more like behind the scenes, like intrigue of a Palpatine secret uh, council. You know, it's kind of interesting. Yes. Like they all have it out for Vader. They all want to be like in the Emperor's favor, but they just keep challenging a mountain. I I don't understand. Like, what don't they get? Um, you know until they get the <laughs> the bad end of a lightsaber. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, again, even with the controller to control his armor, Vader still used the force to pull the controller out of his hand, make IG-88 shoot himself in the face, um, and and then Vader takes his, you know, takes IG-88's hand to use later to find out about Solo and Crimson Dawn, etc., but then we have IG-88 at the end, somehow revived, and he goes and, the again, like you said, the only one I recognize is the one Vader calls the Umbaran um, of that group. And they, you know, again, they're the ones that were able to slice into Vader's ship and slice into his armor. Um, so I want to know more about them and their loyalties and, the, and their purpose, I guess. Yeah, I I feel like they're just gonna, gonna they're gonna fluff these issues with that storyline along with what's happening in war, so that once war is over, we can resolve uh, whatever you know confrontation he's gonna be having with uh, Administrator Moore. Yeah, I mean he's getting involved to get revenge, you know, on Han Solo, on Luke, on this on the on the rebels, right, and, and on Bubba. Fett. I it's kind of just like what what are you doing, Vader? Why don't you just kind of stand you know stand back and let them all kind of kill each other off uh but yeah. you know vader vader wants to go you know guns ablazing in first absolutely and i i think too like 
Vader is back to where he needs, he feels like he needs to show the Emperor where his loyalties lie. And I think that, you know, when the Emperor on Exegol pretty much slapped Vader's hand real hard and was just like, dude, just like, I know how powerful you are, but forget it. Like, you're not going to beat me. And Vader went back to his, you know, docentness as being a, being a do, being docile to the Emperor. And now he's like, well, how can I get Luke? How can I hurt him to make him, you know, fall to the dark side? Well, I'm going to go after his friends. And Solo, you know, Vader's the one who put him in Carbonite. He says, I will find your hope and kill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this that is... ties back to what Leia said, just like you said earlier. She feels hopeless, wondering if there's any type of connection to her father that... You know, I will make them feel hopeless. And Leia says she's been feeling so hopeless lately. So that's that's it for all these issues uh, for June. I should yeah, all of these issues. I'm excited to see what's coming next month, uh, especially with I think the first uh, one shot, the job of the hut one comes out in this coming month. So that'll be interesting because we're going to see we're seeing more and more here um, of how Jabba and the hut cartel, especially. Um, oh, that's that's what I wanted to mention, actually. Don't forget Boku, the the ripped hut. He's in space during this Vader issue, and he he says, "You know what? I'm just going to wipe them all out." And he fires that cannon from above, and Vader blocks it with his lightsaber in the Force, which was a really awesome scene. So it was wild! I do. I totally forgot to mention that. Um, but again, we're seeing more characters brought in. Uh, I think it, it is great to see more huts and and the criminal side of of the galaxy because. That's that's always one part of Star Wars that was always interesting to me. I always liked the underworld, um, and I was always hoping for more development of that. So uh, we get that mostly in these comics. So I am, um, I do like I do like reading them and and finding out now that Crimson Dawn is back. Uh, I think that's a huge uh, milestone in Star Wars canon, uh, especially if you do follow all of it. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I love the underworld um, look at Star Wars. I love when you really get granular in Star Wars. Everything from like pol- their politics to all kinds of different things. I like seeing a lot of the huts, like you said. I think that that's really cool. Um, all in all, I'm very happy with this past month, and I I can't wait to really get into the meat of War of the Bounty Hunters. Speaking of meat, how how does a hut do sit-ups? That's a great... I wonder. That's a great question, how he got those abs. Those abs are ridiculous. So listen, uh, everybody, come back next time, and we'll have the answer for you. Uh, how, do huts, <laughs> how do huts exercise? So, Rocco, tell us uh, tell us about any of the cool shows you're a part of on Defat Entertainment. Ooh, I'm part of lots of cool shows. I'm part of this show the Star Warriors podcast, so make sure you're always checking out every one of those episodes. Um, I, with my co-host Dan, have a little show called the Critical Mass Podcast. Um, we're like the daily show without the talent, um, so make sure that you you check us out there. Um, it's mostly just us griping about things. And then lastly but not leastly, an uh, episode that we're recording next week for our new show, Listen Up Casuals, where we talk to the casual fan about um, you know comic books in the zeitgeist, in the pop, uh, pop culture lens, and we're going to be talking about Hellboy. Can't 
freaking wait for that one. So look forward to that. We'll have that uh, out to you as soon as we can. And also check out Taolay Talk. Uh, we have a live episode coming on Monday, July 12th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So come check out the Geek News, chat with Casey and I about whatever. Uh, we'll be there. Uh, awesome. Also, also a shout out to uh, White Imprint for our apparel. I just got this cool Defan Entertainment sweatshirt. I see you're wearing a Star Wars podcast shirt. Did you get Did you get your stuff? I saw your Critical Mass uh, apparel. I didn't get it yet, okay. um, but I did see it. Uh, Casey sent me the photos, so uh, I'm really excited uh, about that. I got a hoodie for myself and the wife, and I know Dan got one for himself as well. Awesome. Yeah, these they're great quality and it's a very comfortable sweatshirt. So I'm just cozy and geeky. That's that's what I'll say. So check it out. White imprints. I'll leave a link in the show notes. So. All right. Great episode, Rocco. I love these love these Star Wars comics. Uh, we're already we're already in July and there's comics coming out already for next month's show. Sorry for this month's show. I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. It's because I was on vacation. and Yeah. <laughs> and whatnot i mean the last issues didn't come out till june 30th anyhow so that was actually beneficial yeah. for us <laughs> agreed agreed um war or i'm sorry bounty hunters came out today so i picked that up today i actually already read it and uh i'm really glad that i i didn't spoil it so we'll talk about that issue on our next episode awesome awesome so thanks for listening everybody check us out all over the defend entertainment network and uh this is Chris signing off. And this is Rocco. Thanks for listening. May the force be with you. <laughs>